Thank you to Lindsay and the worship team and everyone who was up here powering us through. It was an awkward time uh, with worship and uh, not being able to sing. But, um, but I love that you guys have stuck with us and that we get to sing now. So I'm, I'm excited. Easter is next week. I talk each week just about the, the buildup I have for Easter and the love that I have for Easter. And I love seeing uh, people come. It's a day where people, you know, wear their, their best and the, the kids come all dressed up and, and there's, you know, new flowers and homes and there's just so much that goes with Easter. But more than anything, we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And that is just the most incredible thing. So as we get ready for Easter, again, uh, think about where you can sign up to serve and let's get ready to, to celebrate. And when, when Easter is coming, I think, how fast time has flown since we've got here. And, and it really has, it seems honestly just like yesterday, <laughs> real, real recently that my family and I drove up here and we look at, we're coming up on like two months now that we've been here. And it's like, wow, it's been two months, but that has just flown by. I mean, two months, school has started, Easter's here, people are starting to make summer plans. We got small groups launching. There's so much happening and, and we're on a fast track to seeing amazing things happen in this church, in this city, and I'm excited to be a part of it with you all. Um, before I get started, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter two. And uh, we're gonna talk about sacrifice today and I'm gonna pray for us as we, as we kick off. God, thank you so much for today. I thank you that we get to celebrate. I thank you that we get to sing again and make a joyful noise. And God, today, as we dive into your word, I pray you, you sit in every seat. God, you touch every heart. And as we talk about sacrifice, I pray that everyone here, including myself, we all apply this, God, that we, we find something that we can take home so we know that we walked in here one way and we left another way because we had an encounter with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today we're going to be talking about sacrifice, and obviously, you know, leading into Easter, where we talk about the resurrection next week, it, it you know, kind of makes sense that this week we talk about the sacrifice Jesus made that leads into why we have Easter. You know, simply put, this was the biggest, most incredible sacrifice there ever was and there ever will be, right? Nothing will ever match what Jesus did for us on that cross, but... I want to make sure we're all on the same page of why we're even talking about ashes in the first place. One person actually said, why are we talking about ashes? Because Jesus was not burned. And I said, well, I never said Jesus was ashes. I said, our life can be like a pile of ashes. So, so quickly, ashes. Remember, it's a powdery residue left after the burning of a substance, the remains of something totally destroyed, right? You cannot bring back something from the ashes. And sometimes, our life may feel like a big old pile of ashes, Kind of like if you follow me on Facebook, the feeling I have with my internet and Xfinity right now. It is a pile of ashes. I don't know if it's ever going to get fixed. But unlike my internet, you are never broken beyond repair. Jesus has the incredible ability to do amazing things through you no matter how low you get, no matter how broken or pile of ashes you are. Jesus does incredible things. Now, as we get started, who here likes movies? I mean, like, I, I love movies. Before COVID, but and for that, before kids, my wife and I, we go to the movies a lot. It was one of our favorite things to do. I mean, a couple times a week, we'd go to Costco, get the, the matinee price tickets, and it was consistently, it's like, what's in the theater? Let's go. We saw a lot of movies. And then kids came, and we saw movies, and people say, oh, now you saw the Disney ones. No, they, we got to bring them with us to see the Disney ones. We were watching those anyways. But we still love to watch movies. And then COVID hit, we didn't get to go very much anymore, but, but I love movies. One of my favorite things to do after, after a day when I'm just tired is to sit down and turn on a movie. I like to get lost just in a, a world that you know, I'm not a part of and get entertained. But I watch so many movies that I get really good at predicting them. 
So good that, that my wife tells me to be quiet all the time because I, we can be just in the opening phase. I'm like, oh, main character, this person, twist, plot twist, that. And, and, and I'm, I'm right a lot of the time. And so she tells me I can't say anything because I'll call it out. But what I do love in a movie, I love a good plot twist, but I also love a good act of sacrifice in the end of a movie. A movie can be, you know, it can be even just a mediocre movie, but then if something happens in the end that really drives in that point where the hero of the movie or the heroine of the movie makes this ultimate sacrifice that saves everybody, it can save a whole lot of the movie. And so much so that you can leave thinking, that was really, really good, and then you watch it again, and you're like, oh, that movie actually was, was pretty trash. But the ending of that movie <laughs> made it really, really cool because of something that somebody did that stood out. A moment of sacrifice in a movie, it can bring tears, it can, it can bring all the emotions that come out. And we always go back to that moment. What was the pivoting moment? It was when the hero made a sacrifice. Now, to illustrate a story of sacrifice, I actually want to tell you a story. Um, this is a story that you, you kind of see this played out in some movies, but this is a true story. This is a true story about World War II about a man named John Robert Fox. So John Robert Fox was born in Cincinnati, Ohio in May of 1915. By all accounts, he was a smart, diligent young man and earned a place at the Wilberforce University. Here he signed up for the Reserve Officer Training Corps, meaning he not only finished college with a graduate degree, but with the rank of second lieutenant. When war broke out, he took his commission and joined the 92nd Infantry Division, a segregated division for African-American soldiers that fought with distinction throughout the conflict. Now, with his unit, Fox was sent to the European Theater of War, and in 1944, he found himself fighting the Nazis in Italy. Now, it was in December of that year, he was tasked to stay behind in the small village of Soma Colonia, sorry if you guys know that village and I totally butchered the name, in Tuscany. Now, the village had been overrun by Nazis and the Americans were in retreat. Fox found a house to hide in from the second floor. He used his radio to contact his colleagues. He called for artillery fire to be directed at the village in order to give the U.S. forces time to flee, retreat, regroup, and launch a counterattack. Fox specifically ordered a barrage of gunfire on his exact position. The gunner who received the message pointed out to him that you must be mistaken, you were right there. Fox simply said, fire it, there are more of them than there are of me. Fox's act of sacrifice was not in vain. As he planned, the artillery barrage did give his comrades the chance to regroup and launch a successful counterattack where the U.S. Army retook the city. When they re-entered, they found Fox's body surrounded by the bodies of nearly 100 enemy combatants. So his sacrifice, he knew what he was doing. He knew that this would be his final call, but he not only was able to, to take out some of the enemy, but he allowed his troops, his people, to get people out, regroup, come back in, and ultimately have victory. His sacrifice led to that opportunity, victory, and a very divisive battle with the Germans. Now, where sacrifice is usually attributed to the loss of life, when you hear that word, you, you immediately go to loss. What we get to talk about today is so great because we get to see how this sacrifice is the ultimate source of opportunity, the ultimate source of victory, and the ultimate source of life to everyone who calls Jesus their God. The sacrifice of Christ is so completely sufficient, so completely sufficient that no other sacrifice in history could possibly hope to fulfill what his act did thousands of years ago. And there's so much to learn here. And so I want to get started with this. When we talk about the sacrifice of Jesus, we've got to understand sacrifice, not just him, but for us, sacrifice takes humility. Sacrifice takes humility. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says this. 
who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. Now, in week two, about a month ago, we already talked about humility, so I'm not going to dive too much, too deep into humility today. But I, I do want to take a moment to recognize that it is, you can't have sacrifice without having an element of humility. So Christ willingly gave up heaven, willingly gave it up to come down here to live among us on earth as a sacrifice for us, our sins. He didn't hold on to his position and power. It said he, in the very likes of God, gave up those attributes to come and live among us, ultimately taking on the life of a humble servant and giving that up on a cross. You say, but why would he do that? Why, why would someone who is all-powerful, almighty, say, I'm giving this up for you? And as we, as we ask that question, we need to understand, Jesus knew the cost. Jesus knew the cost of what he was about to do, what he did, what he was going to do. He, he knew what he was coming to do, what it was going to take on him, which makes it all that much more humble when you think about everything he did when he was here. He knew that in order to rescue the earth from sin, it was going to cost his blood. It was going to cost his life. It was going to cost his humility on that cross. Now, when Jesus was praying the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested and ultimately led to his crucifixion, man, Scripture says that he was on his knees praying multiple times and his sweat was like blood. Man, I can't imagine the, just the, the stress and the anxiety that was going through his mind knowing what was coming. Remember, him being all-knowing, he's, he's there and he knows that this sacrifice is about to take place. His, his mission, his 33 years living with us have now led to this moment where he is going to go through one of the most brutal things anyone could ever go through. <clears throat> and I don't for one doubt, I don't for one second doubt the stress or anxiety Jesus was feeling. If I knew what was coming for me, I can't imagine what would be going through my head. And scripture even says that he asked God in that moment, he says, you know, Father, if there's any other way to save people, if there's any other way to do this, Let's do that. That gets my vote. But I love that in that same prayer he says, but you know what's best. You know what has to happen, and I am here submitting to you. He took on that ultimate humble act, knowing what was going to come. That is humility, and that is sacrifice at its absolute finest right there. Now, if we backtrack a bit in Scripture, verse 5 says this about us. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who... Then it goes on to say, took on the appearance of man. So how far did Jesus' humility go? He became obedient even to death. I love that line there, obedient to death. The one who could have said, nope, not dying, not doing it, get me off the cross, don't want to do it. Jesus made himself, he became obedient to death. His humility expressed itself in a sacrifice that went all the way through the cross. The lowest means of execution crucifixion on a cross was a criminal's death and Jesus was no criminal. He knew the cross, he knew the cost, but I love that he didn't only know the cost, he knew what he was paying for. He knew what his life was going to bring. He knew what his death was going to bring. He knew what his blood was going to do for you and me. And I love that this wasn't just a one-time thing. This wasn't, we don't read scripture, Jesus going on the cross and then saying, all right, this is for all the sins now. You guys better not mess up later because I'm not doing this again. Jesus doesn't have that mentality, not that attitude. When he gets on that cross, it's for yesterday, 
It's for today. It's for tomorrow. It is an all-encompassing sacrifice of humility that forgives us ultimately and makes us pure before God. This was an ultimate sacrifice for the whole world, not just the people watching it, not just the people writing the scripture, not just us reading it. It's for everyone who hasn't even heard it yet. This sacrifice was for everyone, past, present, future, everyone that calls on and gets to receive this ultimate grace and gift of forgiveness. 1 John 2, 2 says, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. And again, that's something we may not always attribute it to, right? Uh, so a couple weeks ago, we talked about serving. And I said, all right, so picture someone in your mind right now that you need to serve, or maybe picture someone that you don't want to serve. And then I said, don't say their name out loud. They could be in this room, right? You don't, you know, but we all have someone in our minds that we think, no, don't want to serve that person. Don't want to go down that road. But then when you think about this, even if that person drives you nuts, that person drives you crazy. I know my wife is probably thinking about me right now. But if that person drives you nuts, that person drives you crazy, and they're in your mind right now, what would it take to sacrifice something of yourself to go do something for them? Knowing in this verse, we talk about it, it says he is atoning for the sins, not just of ours, but for the sins of the whole world. That person who drives you nuts, who drives you crazy, who you think they're not deserving of it, Jesus thought they were deserving of it. He knew they were deserving of it, and he died for those people too. When you start putting it in that context, it makes it a little easier to understand just how important it is for us to lay down something of ourselves for our fellow brothers and sisters when we see how Jesus did it for people who didn't even know him at the time. We can talk about the cross, but do we embrace the humility and sacrifice the cross really encompasses and represents? As we begin to understand the, the gravity of Jesus' sacrifice and what he went through going on that cross, that's when we get to understand that Jesus calls us to sacrifice. He calls us to, to put down parts of our life to serve others. Romans 12, 1 and 2 lays it out great. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this, this isn't just like giving up something little. Like this is, this is giving up something huge, right? What are we going to give up of something that's, that's actually, that, that's huge, that makes a difference? I, I'll keep with the movie thing because I like movies. There's a, a football movie I, I saw in the theaters years ago called When the Game Stands Tall. It was a movie about the California football team, De La Salle. And De La Salle went on this ridiculous winning streak. They just were blowing everybody away. But this movie follows what happens after they lose their win streak. And they, they were, I think they were in the hundreds as far as game goes, and they lose it. But then what happens is there's a player on their team, and this player has the ability to break the all-time touchdown record. And he's just blowing people away as he's running and running, and they get to the final game of the season, and he has one more touchdown to break the record and become known nationwide as the high school touchdown king. But what does he do? They give him the ball, and he takes a knee. In the movie, his dad starts going nuts and screaming and yelling, son, what are you doing? What are you doing? But throughout the whole movie, what the dad didn't know is the coach was pushing a team mentality. He was saying, we're not going to do anything to promote one person. We're going to do everything as a team. Now, the coach did not tell the player not to take the touchdown, but the player had a moment right there. Is he going to get the credit for himself, or is he going to sacrifice his record for the glory of the team doing something special? And ultimately, they end the game 
they win the championship. He does not get the touchdown record. And he goes over and he hugs his coach. And there's a special moment where you know that this player just sacrificed something. His, his name in history has the all-time this record. Who knows if it would ever get broken? But he doesn't do it. And it was not for his gain at all. Everything he did was to promote the team. I believe that when we understand the call that Jesus puts on us, the sacrifice that he made, we get to see how our sacrifice comes into the picture. We get to see how we can start giving up things in our life. We get to see how that kind of plays into our everyday interaction. And ultimately, it's done with humility. I think when we do this, it'll end up looking nothing less than the example Jesus gave us on the cross. Now, I'm not saying literally that you will go on a cross, but I am saying that when, when we start to live sacrificially, when we start to live this life that Jesus gives us, ultimately, people then get to see, why are you doing this? And we get to point them to the cross. We get to point them and say, hey, I love you. I'm giving, I'm giving up something of myself. I'm giving this up because he gave up everything for me. And that starts to make it easier to understand. It really doesn't give you a massive benefit but rather what you give is purely done for the sake of others. Now, it's easy sometimes to even see this kind of mix of humility and sacrifice in some of the most basic things. You think, well, if I follow Jesus, then I'm going to give up some things. And that's true. But Jesus ultimately calls us, his call for us is a call to the cross. He said this in Mark 8, 34, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, there, there can be a lot of confusion that comes up with what does that mean because we don't have physical crosses. And Roman criminals, they would actually carry their cross to their side of execution. And if you saw the movie Passion of the Christ, you saw the example of Jesus carrying his and the other two criminals as well, carrying their crosses. This was a common form of punishment when it came to a crucifixion. The criminals, they had the cross and they carried it all the way up to the moment knowing that they were going to get hung on it. Their destination was death. Jesus calls us to deny ourselves and die. Now, not an actual physical death where you're on the ground dead, but, but a death that says, this life that I live, what I'm going to do is I'm going to carry my cross. I'm going to put my life aside. I'm going to put my, 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 my goals, my dreams to the side, and I'm going to pursue the dreams that you're putting on my mind. I'm going to pursue the dreams that you have for me. I'm going to not submit to my way of life. I'm going to submit to your way of life. And it's a crazy paradox because in that, in that way, we see how the kingdom works and we see that by dying to yourself, you are actually finding life. By dying to yourself, you are actually finding life. It doesn't make sense when you think about it, but as you start to understand it, it really does start to make sense. This is what Jesus promised in Mark 8.35. The next verse says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. See, this, this is the very reason that Jesus, he calls us to take on the cross. It's there that we find true life. It's there that we find the ultimate sacrifice that leads to the ultimate victory over death. The people most alive in this world that I've experienced, the people that are just so full of life, are people who have embraced humility and people who freely give of themselves not even for themselves, but just so they can see the pure joy in others as they give. People know when they do this that there is a cost. If you're going to follow the footsteps of Christ, and that's what it means to be a disciple, right? To be a student of Christ, to follow in his steps, understand that there's going to be a cost. It's, it's not necessarily just a, a free ride. There's going to be something that happens in you. There's going to be things that you, you give up. But I think that the more that you do it, the more it becomes a joy to give those things up. The more it becomes easier because you see, hey, this really was of me and it was not of God. So this is something I can actually start to shed. 
This is something I can, I can sacrifice because I see the greater good that happens when I give my life to Christ. This doesn't matter anymore. What he has for me matters, and what he has is ultimately so much better than this one thing, or maybe two things, or three things, depending on who you are, that maybe you were holding on to so tight, you let that go and see what he has for you. You get to hold on to that so much tighter. Jesus tells us this in Luke 14, 25 to 33. He says, large crowds were now traveling with Jesus, and he turned to them and said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, He cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost to see if he has the resources to complete it? Otherwise, if he lays the foundation and is unable to finish the work, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this man could not finish what he started to build. Or what king on his way to war with another king will not first sit down and consider whether he can engage with 10,000 men, the one coming against him with 20,000. And if he is unable, he will send a delegation with the other king who is still far off to ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any one of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. So Jesus kind of puts it in like, if you see the outcome and you see where you are, how can you not understand how important this is, right? But, but there's a verse there that makes this really hard to read in the beginning. In the beginning, it says the word hate. It says, <laughs> it's crazy when you read it. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children and brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And some people will actually ask, does this actually mean hate? Like, I have to hate my family? What does this mean? Now, some of you maybe are already there. Do you say, I'm there, hate my family. This is not talking about that. What this is, if you go to the Greek word here, the Greek word in this passage is miso. And miso means less favor than. And so when it was translated into English, they, we didn't have a word that said less favor than, and they didn't have a word that translated to hate. So we use the word hate, but it means less favor than. So Jesus' challenge here, he says, my challenge is find less favor with your family. Find less favor with your plans, your mother, your brothers, your sisters, than you do with me. What he's saying is, don't put someone or something above your love for me. Now, I truly believe that as you follow God, I'm not saying, you know, don't care about your family, because I do believe that your first mission is to love God. And through that, as you love him, he will show you how to love your family, how to lead your family, how to lead your life. But when you put him first, those things start to fall into place. But when you put them first, he starts to fall out of place. And that's not by his priority. That's by the priorities that we've made. When we build a relationship with him, our family dynamic can be a beautiful thing. But the question is, are you willing to put your love for Jesus above your family? Are you willing to sacrifice what you feel is important to put who is important as the most important thing? Maybe some of you again today would say, yeah, I'll sacrifice my family. No problem. Sign me up. Where do I check that box? Family, you're out. But maybe some of us aren't there. Maybe some of us, it's, uh, you know, you you have really, really close, tight relationships when you think, man, putting them second would be really, really hard. It is hard. There is a cost. But I know that the payout, meaning the life we have in Jesus, the joy we have in Jesus, is the biggest payout ever. Matthew 6.33 says, Jesus calls, sorry, Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness then all these things will be added to you. If Christ sacrificed himself first to bring redemption, then I think that you and I are gonna have to start doing the same thing to show that redemption to others. 
We're going to have to be that model saying, hey, Jesus put this aside. Jesus put his very godliness aside to show how much he loves us. What can we put aside to show people that we love them? What can we put aside to say, you know what? This isn't as important to me as your eternity is important to me. What's going to drive what we decide to give up and what we decide to hold on to? Be humble. Live a life that puts God first. Sacrifice our own desires so that our desires line up with God's desires. Next is being crucified with Christ. I can almost guarantee, if you've been in the church circuit for a long time, you've probably come across this verse in Galatians. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love that. Who loved me and gave himself for me. So yes, discipleship and sacrifice, it's hard and it's difficult. Yes, you have to be willing to let go of everything you once believed to be the most important things and realize he is the most important thing. And yes, there will be opposition. It's, it's not an easy thing, but what I do love is that this verse, and the next one we're gonna read talks about this. In the difficulty, God is with you. In the most difficult seasons you'll go through, even when you think there's no way I could possibly focus on this less, no way I could give that up, it's too hard, know that God is right there in that difficult moment, holding your hand, guiding you through, leading you through it. God is not only with you, as a matter of fact, he is right there living in you through it. He's not just standing next to you. He is a part of you. He's living in you, taking you through these things. As hard as it is to let go and make sacrifices, don't forget that he is the perfect high priest. He is the perfect shepherd, and he is the one who can perfect your life. Luke 14, sorry, not Luke 14. Get my head on my notes. Hebrews 4 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he does not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, this is incredibly encouraging to me because it shows that this is not a blind sacrifice. It shows that when you're giving up something, you don't have to do something and then think, all right, God, did you even see that? God, God, are you even watching me? I know I have had moments in like that in my life where, where I've wondered, all right, God, are you even here? Are you even there? I, I think it wouldn't, be, you know, it wouldn't be faith if you didn't have those questions at times, right? I think we've all had those struggles where you wonder, does God even see me? Does God even notice me? Does, did God see what I just did? But I love that this verse says, yes, he did. He did see it. And he will give you mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. It's a promise that he has made. When you need that grace, when you need that mercy, it's there. He's there, and he's walking with you through it. And I love that since he promised it, he's going to happen. Because you know how many promises God has ever broken? None, right? He's got the perfect track record. Every time he's made a promise, he's always upheld it. So many promises that you can receive mercy, and you can find grace to help you in your time of need. No, you will get mercy. You will get grace in your time of need. He promises it. Sacrifice takes courage, conviction, and confidence, but I know this, it's worth it. Sacrifice is worth it. Jesus' sacrifice was worth it. The joy that we get to have knowing that we get to spend eternity with him, that our friends and loved ones, when we share this with them, that we get to be with them for eternity, this is worth it. 
Here's the encouragement today. We've talked about this verse a few times in this series in Hebrews. Throwing off the past sin and shame that so eagerly entangles, easily entangles you. Run the race set before you, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. What a joy set before him endured the cross. You don't often see those two things together, right? Joy and enduring the cross. But with the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Service and sacrifice bring joy. I truly believe that. It, it can be hard, it can be difficult, you can go through times where you don't want to do it, but ultimately in the end, when you see the result of something you just did, not just in your life, but if you do it for somebody else and you see the joy in their life, it can start to, to bring up this joy in your heart that just gets contagious and, and you want to start doing it more because you see how happy and how joyful you're making people. Jesus sacrificed his life for the joy set before him. And let me tell you, there is just a deep abiding joy when it comes to serving people. Think about the last time that you did that. Like you went out on a service project. Someone called, said they needed a hand, and you showed up and, and you did something for them. Maybe it was a task that was really, really hard, and everything inside you wanted to give an excuse. Hey, can you help me? Yeah, I can, but I don't want to. <laughs> you, just, you look for a reason to really not want to do it, right? But then when you go and you do it, and you see just how helpful you were and how thankful that they are that you were there, that makes it worth it in so many ways to know the joy that you were able to give someone else. When I was in college, I was with a group called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. It's actually where Stephanie and I met. But one of the things we had was called a work day. And so we would get in groups and we would, different people would sign up for projects, different people in the community, and we would go and just serve whether it was gardening or weeding or window washing, it, was, it could have been anything. One of the fun things to talk about was what did you have to do on your work day? One person said they had to groom an animal. It was just like, no one knew that was coming, right? But, but it, so it could have been anything. But work days were, were there and there was never, you know, money was never exchanged to us. It was just simply going to serve and then we got thanks. And to see these people that were just so thankful and a lot of times it was people that just weren't capable of doing those things on their own and they just needed a hand. So going there and just lending a hand for a couple hours and then having someone just say they were genuinely thankful was the greatest feeling. Serving and sacrificing some of your time and your effort and your resources and seeing the joy that you can bring someone is so good. I don't know if I told this story here or not, but I'll tell you anyways. Um, my daughter Aurora has come with me on the Mexico missions trip that we did in California. Well, when I was in California down to Mexico, she came with me for the past, I think, four, three or four times. One of the trips we went on when we were down there is we're staying in Tijuana, we're building houses, and I say we, I would do children's stuff because I can't build anything. But we would build houses, play with kids. One of our stops was the dump, and it was the literal dump. You saw garbage trucks throwing garbage in, and people lived there. And they would just make whatever they could, a house out of just cardboard and plywood and garbage, and it was just trash. But we went there, and we passed out food, and water, and we got to do um, a little Bible study for some of the kids, yes, kids that lived in the dump. And Aurora, I think, was five years old, her first time going with me, five or six. And when we went there, her heart broke for these kids in the dump. And as we leave, Aurora says, she says, Daddy, how do they get their water? I said, well, we, we brought some. Goes, but when this is gone, I said, maybe another group will bring some. How do they get their food? Well, you're looking at what they look through other than what we've brought. And, and she said, Dad, I want to do more for the dump. And the next year we went, she had this bag of toys that she brought that we could deliver to kids in the neighborhood and kids in the dump. And my heart broke. I was like, oh man, my daughter is giving up some of her stuff at no benefit to her, 
to just go give things to kids in the dump. And the smile on her face the next year when she was just like, these are my toys now going out to all these kids, was the best. And I knew that her heart was just exploding with joy because she was sacrificing something of herself purely for the sake of others, and it brought so much joy. Today, I think, is an incredible day to start and say, all right, what am I going to sacrifice? What can I do? What, what is something I can hold on or that I have been holding on to that I can say, you know what? I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to give some of my time. Because I think sacrifice will look different for people. It'll, depending on where you are or who you are, it could, be, it could be an item. It could be time. It could be resources. It will look different. But I think the key is not exactly what it is. It's are you giving something of yourself that maybe, maybe it's going to hurt to get rid of, but knowing this is going to benefit the kingdom. This is really going to benefit somebody. This is going to benefit somebody, not me at all, but it's going to point someone to Jesus. They're going to see the love of Jesus. They're going to see the hands of Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, this will be a seed that God gets to water and they get to experience this abundant life that we now get to have. No matter how hard your life has been, no no matter how far from God you may feel today, no matter how irredeemable you believe your life to be, The sacrifice of Christ is completely sufficient. Completely sufficient for you. It's powerful. It can change the outcome of a battle. Like the story we shared at the beginning of service, it can change the world. One small act can make a huge difference. And at some point, it can lead someone to eternity. That's incredible. I want to invite the worship team back up as we wrap up today. And I also want to recognize that today is the Sunday before Easter, which is regularly known as Palm Sunday. This is the day that many churches read the passage where Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a colt. And in that story, Jesus is treated like royalty. People are laying down their cloaks and waving palm branches and screaming Hosanna. Luke 19 says, the whole crowd of disciples begins joyfully praising God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And they say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Man, next week, Easter, we get to celebrate the resurrection and ultimate fulfillment of the greatest sacrifice we will ever, ever see in history. There are many contemporaries in Christ, many well-educated people, faithful people who didn't recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. For them, the sacrifice was nothing more than the loss of a human life. But for those who believe, this sacrifice is the promise of the greatest gift ever, forgiveness in eternal life. This week, how will the sacrifice of Christ change you this week leading into Easter? Don't look down the road, say next month I'll get to it. Starting now, when you think about what he did for you, how will it change things? What are some things needed to let go of? Whether it's it's some of your life, some of your, your time, your money, your resources, so others can experience the fullness of the love of God. What areas of your life are you being called to greater sacrifice? I mean, this life of faith can be a costly one, but remember, Christ is always with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And when we sacrifice, we get to show that love that he showed to us to somebody else in an incredible way. Would you all stand with me? Who's excited for Easter? No, no, you started service strong. You got to end it stronger than that. Who's excited for Easter? 
All right. Let's pray and let's, let's have a fun time celebrating. And we're going to sing this song, The Wonderful Cross. I mean, think about what he did on that wonderful cross. Let's sing it out. Let's give God our praise. Let's invite our friends and let's have an incredible time celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Jesus, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the sacrifice that you gave for us. God, the one that no one else could do, nothing else could fill the place that you did or do what you did on that cross. Your blood was sufficient. Your life was sufficient. And through that, we are redeemed. We are forgiven. We are full of, we receive your grace. God, and I pray that we're able to share that. We're able to to give up some of ourselves to show our friends the love that you gave for us. And that through that, people get to join us, they get to celebrate, and they get to understand how much you love and how much you sacrifice for them. We thank you, God. We love you. And everybody said, amen. Amen.